far are you going? About 30 years. In this week's episode, it's our review of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable. save the settings it's supposed to save the settings but it i don't know hmm. now it, it resets not, to the defaults I, which are not good i guess yeah it's, it's exactly hmm. what happened i don't know why i did it that way yeah all right knock you down a couple decibels here okay all right um so you want to talk about I man, it's been like a couple months since I saw JoJo's Part Four. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking, like, what other anime have we both seen? And it's like, yeah, we both I'm, JoJo's on TV. I am just about done with Standalone Complex second gig. Okay, we can cover that when you finish it. Yeah, I'm like a few episodes. It's a great the, show. Yeah, I've actually enjoyed second gig a lot. It it's interesting yeah. how everything's kind of like episodic, and then like towards the last half, it's it's a continual thing. This is the season with that guy with the fucked up face? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's like he has, like, extra loose skin and then decided to, like, stretch it on one side of his face and then never bother to do any kind of corrective cosmetic surgery for whatever reason. So it's like his face <laughs> yes. is a half Play-Doh face. And he's like, you know, well, I'm the like villain. A, he's like an anime version of Two-Face from Batman. Yeah. <laughs> they just saw Batman Forever last night. It's like knockoff... How did you enjoy Batman Forever? Uh, I, I I don't I don't know. I mean, I have mixed feelings about it. I mean, uh, I, I really um, you know enjoyed that in Batman and Robin when I was a little kid. Um, and it is like extremely goofy, and it's like a huge change from Tim Burton Batman, which is like very like dark and brooding and everything. But I, I actually can appreciate the, both versions of Batman in the sense that I've read like the cheesy old Batman comics and, like, the the newer, like, Frank Miller gritty Batman. And I, and I can appreciate that there are different interpretations of the character. Mm-hmm. And so, from my perspective, I definitely have a huge amount of nostalgia for all the 90s Batman movies. And, uh, and, and, and I mean, Jim Carrey, there's no doubt he's, like, extreme over-actor. But on some level, if he wasn't doing that, who would be? Like, 
you know, like he, he is a unique actor and that he will just go so wild with his facial expressions. And even though yeah. it can be kind of obnoxious, it can also be kind of amusing. I, I'm going to be honest. Like, I think I caught that movie a couple years ago on TV and uh-huh. it was just painful whenever Jim Carrey was in his Riddler persona. Cause I, uh-huh. I saw like a part of it. I was just like, Oh man, this is totally 1995, like peak Jim Carrey comedy and how like goofy and wacky he is. And some of that can translate pretty well. Like, I mean, Dumb and Dumber is a fantastic movie and it is a classic and I will fight anyone to the death on that. But I think what happened, I think with that, it's like it was kind of like half Jim Carrey because he had to say part of the role for uh, Jeff Bridges to act goofy and stupid. And, mm-hmm. you know, even though Jim Carrey was like, you know, him, but like that one, it was like no restraint on how like ridiculous he acted. And like the Grinch is the same way too, but I think Grinch is like, it's an easier movie to watch. And, mm. but Batman Forever, like I like Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face when I saw it. I was yeah. like, oh, you know, like, man, he makes a really good Two-Face. Two-Face. Like he's, like he's trying to be goofy too, but like I think Tommy Lee Jones is a well-rounded actor. And like he was like able to be like the, the calmer side of, of craziness. Yeah. And, uh, like, I, I liked him as Two-Face, but then Jim Carrey was just like, oh, man, that that hurts watching this movie. But I love yeah. Fat Batman Forever because I saw it in theaters as a kid, and, like, that's always been, like, my favorite Batman movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was, uh, you know, I was two years old when it came out, uh, so I, I, I think we probably had it on Laserdisc in the mid-'90s, and I was watching it when I was very young. Yeah. And it's very, very child-friendly. Uh, I kind of regard, like, Jim Carrey as Riddler. In the same way that I would regard Jar Jar Binks, in the sense that I can acknowledge that it gave me a lot of like joy when I was a child, uh, but also acknowledge that maybe the performance is just stupid, uh, and that it is something that's fundamentally childish, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, it, it definitely deserves yeah. to belong like in the nineties, and and I, th- right. I Ace Ventura movies, I think they're at that point too. So, like, I have not seen those, but uh, I've, yeah, se- I've I, seen I, them I, enough. I've too. <laughs> Because I did watch Dumb and Dumber not too long ago, and that is actually a good movie. You're right. Um, no, it's, it's, it's it still holds up. Yeah, that. like Liar Liar is not as wild. Yeah, like a couple years later, Liar Liar came out. Like Liar Liar is a really good movie too. Have you seen the, the Cable Guy? Mm-hmm. They're always airing that on TV next day. It's been sure. I I but know. I seen it yet. Like I own it on DVD. I, I bought it like years ago, used at a blockbuster, and I was like, oh, Cable Guy, I need. You know, I've still got the Majestic that he did. It was like his first serious role. And I remember seeing part of it, like, I think, like, the last half of it at um, on a movie channel and when I was on a missions trip in Ecuador. And it looked uh-huh. like a really interesting movie. And I bought it on a DVD, and it just sits on my shelf. And I will eventually get around to watching it. But that's okay. something I was well, like... did you like Cable Guy? Uh, I don't know. I, was, I don't... I didn't take a lot from that. Um, I know, like, The Truman Show was a really good movie he did, too. Oh, that one's good. That's not a comedy, though. No, it? it's not. Like, I like Jim Carrey when he's serious. Like, he can be a really good serious yeah. actor. And Yeah, I saw the Truman Show in um, class. Uh, we had this uh, class uh, taught by this real crackpot um, international relations theory guy <laughs> who was, like, uh, taught. Uh, he was, like, in the textbook cited as, like, a source, as, like, an expert on it. But he was called uh, part of the constructivist camp. And he thought everything in the world was a myth, and and oh like gosh. so, so he would talk about like nine eleven is a myth, and like everything is a myth, and everything is a movie. And he like <laughs> presented the Truman Show as like proof of this, <laughs> and 
<laughs> so he would he would just have us watch a movie each week. He, he would have like Independence Day and stuff. And so I wrote this thesis on uh, Tim Burton's Mars Attacks for that class, and I got like a really high grade. But uh, oh, wait, the '90s Mars Attacks movie with like uh, yeah. Oh, I love that movie. I actually do. I didn't know Tim Burton did that movie, but like I love it. Mm-hmm. His, I think maybe he's the producer, not the director, or something. Okay. But I don't know. It's sort of like Batman Forever versus producer, not director. But, uh, but yeah, and I was like comparing it to, um, World War II, uh, or something like this and saying that the way they treated the Martians at first was similar to, um, a Chamberlain, um, treating the, uh, you know, Hitler's advances into the Sudetenland, uh, peacefully and everything and just saying like, okay, they say they can come in peace and that this is the last thing they're going to demand and then, oh, and then they, they start conquering everybody and, that's a, that's a pretty good analysis. I mean, that's a that's a fair, strong analysis. I'd say. Yeah, I'm looking at my copy in the Majestic right now on top of my shelf. Basically, he was just like watch any movie and like compare it to international relations theory. And so I just happened to have seen the movie and I was like, okay, I can roll with this. And and, and so I I kind of just wrote you know 20 pages about like Woodrow Wilson and FDR and all this kind of stuff. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I and then got like all this hundreds. I last time I did a twenty page paper, I was supposed to make it ten, and I got like a sixty on it because that was the highest my teacher was going to grade me because I went over the page count. She's like, I might. She's like, I'm only grading up to the first ten pages because that's what you should have done. And I was like, I just gave you 10, twenty pages 20. of high description of Mamoru Oshii. Uh huh. Like other than me. And like other like okay, so other than Brian Ra and me, we're probably the only people that wrote that much about Oshi. And I took a lot of my stuff from Brian Ra's book because <laughs> I did so yeah. much research on that for like two or three months, and then I did it, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna give her the best paper ever. And she's like, sixty. She's like, sixty two is the highest thing I can give you on this because I, I, I can't I can't go past ten pages. You should have condensed that. I was like, but isn't more better? She's like, not this uh, time. I can't. I can't imagine doing a double the amount of pages that were requested because whenever I, I would write a long paper, that just showed how much I love talking about the about Mamoru Oshii. Yeah, whenever I would do a long paper in college, I would be like furiously typing it out at the last second. And uh, <laughs> I, I learned my lesson on that not like, to do that long ago. Yeah, I remember like the last assignment I had to do in college. I like turned it in literally at the last minute, and it was like this long paper about Plato and Aristotle. And, like, then my parents came home, and they were trying to talk to me as I was typing out the last sentence, and I was just pounding it through. <laughs> I had read all the fucking crazy Greek philosophers and everything, and I, I was just, like, pure stream of consciousness at the last minute. <laughs> but I ended up doing well on it and everything. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I can't imagine doing double the amount of pages that is required. <laughs> How much did I overachieved and then didn't give me anything, so I'm like, I'll never overachieve ever again. I will meet that minimum requirement. Yeah. I don't get why people want to overachieve so much, and then they get graded for it, and they're like, well, if they can do it, so can I. No, doesn't work that way. College is bullcrap. Well, yeah, I know you want to talk about JoJo's part. I mean, yeah. I, I guess for me it's just kind of like I man I feel like I forgot so much because I just ended like a month and a half ago or two months roughly. Yeah, I, I, we don't necessarily have to go through every story arc or whatever, but I just read the first three chapters uh, in the new hardcover from Viz to try to get you know um, reacquainted with the basic plot yeah. and everything. And uh, and I, I do think it's interesting um, the the way the manga looks uh, it, it, at least in early part four, still a lot like uh, part. 
three. Um, uh, the way that uh, Joe Turo and Josuke look when they're fighting, they're like almost identical designs mm-hmm. he, be, because Josuke, he has the, the big pompadour and everything and uh, the the school uniform and there's all these girls gathered around him and it really seems a lot like um, he was trying to kind of imitate the success he had with the Jotaro character. Um, which is not the impression I got when I watched it on... Um, Toonami? Well, yeah, on Toonami, but first on Crunchyroll, I saw the first episode subbed like a year or two before uh, it was on Toonami. And I was not really impressed by the character because he seemed so soft compared to uh, Jotaro, and he just didn't seem like a like a Joestar protagonist because he's like obsessed with his hair, and he, he looks somewhat more effeminate just the way his face is drawn and stuff because uh, they're trying to... In the anime, they're trying to do like the the art style of like the later part of Part Four when when uh, when Araki started changing his art style, and so they draw like longer eyelashes and that kind of thing. Um, and he's doing like weird poses, like putting his hand on his hip and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'll tell you what. I gave it a shot on Tsunami. I did. I didn't enjoy the the full series. Um. Well, let's just go ahead and do introductions real quick because we're almost 12 minutes oh. into this recording. <laughs> we just jumped. Right. All right. So, I always forget to do that. <laughs> welcome to the Anime of Yesteryear podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dustin. With me is my co-host, John. Yes. And we're talking about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 4. Uh, shoot. What is that real name? Diamond is Unbreakable or whatever? R- right. Oh, man. I got it right that, the first time. What What is that a reference to? Is I, I guess his power is called Shining Diamond, but... Yeah. Uh. All right, but yeah, we're talking about JoJo's, and then we got some material for closing remarks. I guess it's called Unbreakable because he can like heal things that are broken. That's true. It, I thought there was in, something... in the first storyline. There's this like turtle that gets injured by this random punk, and then he uses his powers to heal it, and that's the first time he uses it. That's right. In the manga. All right. So real quick on closing remarks, we're. There was that thing about how there's leaks, I guess, from, like, outtakes from Dragon Ball. Yeah. And uh, from Funimation. So that basically it's showing how hypocritical, like, it was basically showing how hypocritical, like, these Funimation actors are, like, especially on the whole Kick Vic thing. So, and and it doesn't surprise me one bit, but aside, so there's that. um, Was there anything from C and Reborn we wanted to talk about? Well, do you want to talk about what was going on there this morning with the fan art stuff? Yeah, that's actually pretty interesting. I thought there was a few other things, and I can't remember. I remember there was... thought something happened recently. It was like, oh, oh man. Oh, right. There was another guy that they banned. Um, I that didn't... I Magma didn't... character. Yeah, there's that. He was like... Uh, he, he, he asked, uh, is Looney Tunes going to be included in this project? And they they all like exploded. They on all the lost their shit, literally. <laughs> and then they started pinging him with like app messages over and over. And he was like, oh, "Sorry, dude, I was away from my computer for a minute. Why do you all have to be such cunts?" And then they banned him. Yeah, and then they later admitted that they were uh, a chat room for cunt- home for cunts, is what they described themselves as. Yeah, but he was not wrong. <laughs> no, no, Alicia actually said that. So. Man, I thought she for... self-identifies as such now. Yeah, <laughs> which is an accurate description because that was how you described her for Bandy. Yeah, <laughs> when she defended Icebox Bandy. <laughs> Gosh, um, what am I getting a text message about? Oh, 
That's my fr- uh, so I got a friend text me. He's at his brother's wedding in Greenville right now, and he's get, he's giving the four one one a how bad this wedding is apparently. Okay. So <laughs> he says this wedding is worse than we imagined. This is like Dustin's sketchy graphic novel bad. This ought to be. I'm just gonna leave the chat up here. So, God, I th- the train? yeah, I hear the train. What? Alright, so what are you like in a honey boo boo house? Because you're like houses right next door to the train track or something? Uh, yeah, I'm not too far from the train track. It's oh. just at the end of the street. Alright. So they're always going by honking. Uh, yeah, I'm not even like really prepared for anything. You just said, let's talk about JoJo's, and I thought there was some other. God, I thought there was something else. DBZ and CN Reborn, and. I, I don't know. Uh, I think those were the main things. Okay. Um, do you do you want to do the closing remarks first or after or just, we should just do JoJo? Or otherwise, just, we'll just skip. Over yeah, it. we're gonna yeah let's do JoJo's since like because I know like when JoJo's ended, I was just like I guess we're gonna have to talk about it eventually, and then we just didn't do anything for July. But that's kind of partially on me for not pushing anything because I had so much going well, on. Well, you were busy oh, with your AMD. Shoot. Yeah, you can talk about making that bebop AMV. Yeah, no, I need to talk about that sketchy roofing job that I quit Monday. <laughs> that was the oh, thing I okay. want to talk about. Oh, I got, I got like, I mean, I guess I could read out like I got like their contracts, and I will go into that. So, did you see the video for Uzumaki uh, on uh, Toonami? I try to go to the Facebook link, and they're like, "Oh, this content isn't available at this time." And I was like, "Well, oh, whatever." Shit. So oh, I don't, well, it'll I don't be know what on I mean. TV on tomorrow night. Okay. But it looks really good. It's it's got this kind of creepy like instrumental track playing in the background and these black and white illustrations that are like yeah, really detailed. I know Juti Ito. Really Ito is like a really re- renowned mangaka for sure. So like I'm kind of interested in like them adapting stuff. I've always seen his stuff at uh, bookstores and uh, like half price books in particular. They're always like stocked up on this guy's stuff. And uh-huh. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like, it's not selling or or if it's, like, in high demand or, or what. I don't think it would. Like, I've high demand it. is Naruto and, and, and Shonen Jump stuff. Everything else is right. kind of like, well, I guess I could check this out. I think maybe they think, like, we can get this for cheap. And it, it's got the same name as Naruto Uzumaki. Yeah. So maybe people will buy it just being confused and think that it's about, like, ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I kind of first thought, too. It does have the same too. swirling pattern and everything on the on there that, like, <sighs> it and Naruto are both based on, like, some Japanese noodles that have, like, this round pattern in the fish cakes that they put in the noodles. Yeah. And, like, this food is, like, so important to the Japanese that they've made, like, numerous manga about it. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Let me write down. All right. Get are you getting more wedding info? Yeah. Well, he's gonna get into more detail later. Like it, so, I, we're just kind of all over the place. There's no focus on this. Uh, let me write down closing remarks real quick. So, sketchy roof job. I'm just gonna put everything in the text chat here. Uh, CN reborn drama. Crap! What was the other thing we mentioned? Dragon Ball Z leaks. Oh yeah, DBZ dub links. All right, cool. So there's my comment in Discord. <laughs> yeah, no, the wedding thing is that my friend's brother is getting is getting married to a girl, and their parents are loaded because they own an eatery place in town. 
And apparently, to his estimate, my friend's estimate, because he doesn't want to know the amount, they've thrown, like, more money at this wedding than, than buying a house. Which, I, I don't get that either. I don't know why people want to throw more money at, like, a one-day event than just investing that into, like, a, a nice house for the rest of your life. But he was talking about how they're, like, <clears throat> this thing has, like, three receptions. And their goal was to do the wedding and then like ride in a horse carriage down Main Street in Green downtown Greenville tomorrow uh, tomorrow at some time do the whole like third final reception and then they're gonna drive off in like a, a Mercedes Benz and I don't know if it's a car that they bought or it's a rental I have no idea and I don't think he wants to know either but we were kind of joking because his brother's one of those depressing. Like, his brother was, like, did, had the most I-don't-give-a-shit attitude at his at my friend's wedding, like, last year. Because, and then he just kind of briefly showed up. was like, oh, I got to go to work. Like, it, he acted like he didn't care and didn't want to be there. But then they had to spend all this money to do, like, for to support their wedding. And then it's just kind of like, man, do I even want to get married? I'd like to, but I'm like, I need to find the most low-maintenance, attractive, cute girl out there. And that is asking way too much. So, I'm just being realistic. I know they exist, but I gotta get I gotta get one before some other guy gets them. So yeah, gosh, <laughs> I'm gonna give you the, this, and then you can throw in an anime con drama into it, it and then it would be the most de- dis- disturbing, depressing story in history. My God, this! I expected this wedding to be a train wreck, but man, this sounds too good. <laughs> I wanna. Uh, anyways, all right. So JoJo's part four. Twenty minutes into the recording, and we can't. Oh man. Anyways, so that ended on tsunami recently. It went on for like close to a year, right? Because it was like thirty-nine uh, episodes or so. Right. Um. I think that um part three was fifty-two episodes, mm-hmm. and then part four was thirty-nine episodes. And um, parts one and two, you know, the first part was only 10 episodes and the second part was 16 episodes. So yeah. they were, these parts three and four have been a lot longer than those, but right. um, they they have like all these different supporting cast members that they gradually introduced over the show to keep it interesting. Yeah. Like, um, uh, obviously they bring back some of the old characters, um, you know, the heroes from part two and three. Um. Like they have Joe uh, Joseph as like an old man, and he shows up partway through the series. Yeah, the well, it's the fact that so Josuke's background, this JoJo, is the fact that jo, um, old man JoJo banged an Asian chick in the eighties and made yeah. Josuke. So, and then of course, like it was like some hidden affair that he tried to hide until. Um, Wait, shoot! Old man Jojo married Lisa, right? Lisa, Lisa, was that uh, it? Was it Susie Q? Susie Q, yeah. So Susie Q got pissed at him, according to what Josuke said, and then, uh, and then, uh, shoot. Anyways, but then old man jo- Jojo shows up, and I don't think he even meets Josuke's mom. I just know like Joseph, like um, Jotaro or Jotaro shows up. And then, like, the mom, th- Josuke's mom thinks it's him, or old man Jojo, and he's just like, no, nah, that's my grandpa, my grandfather. And um, and then, like, we don't ever really see Josuke's mom after that. 
And the only other kind yeah, of... Yeah, she doesn't appear very often. Yeah, like in the beginning, mostly. And then the other kind of love triangle that happened was that, like, crazy chick that her stand was the hair, then she had this obsessive, like, obsession with uh, the, the short guy. And then he wound up like, yeah, I guess I can kind of date you. He's called Koichi. Koichi, yeah. Short guy. Yeah, she was like kidnapping him and like making him eat shit and weird stuff like well, that. Well, he had to solve. He had to solve a key lock code of what, like, what battle in history? Because the code was the year, and he couldn't. And he and he had to get into the bathroom to take a piss or whatever, and he couldn't do it, so he wound up pissing in his pants. And she's like trying to like retrain him or whatever, and. And then it's just like he gets away, and he's like, yeah, you know, that crazy bitch or whatever. And then he's like, and then she, I guess she gets less crazy. He's like, okay, I guess she's okay now. <laughs> it's like, well, she meets yeah. up with that like beautician woman or whatever that like does like facial reconstruction because that's her stand. And yeah. it's a matter of like confessing love, and then um, Koichi's like, yeah, you you seem cool, cute. Maybe we can make this work, and then so that's kind of how love blooms. Yeah, she's like trying to make her face perfect for him, and then yeah, you know, he had to guess. He had to guess the the face. He had to guess like the face or something, and if he guessed wrong, she would have died or have been ugly or something. And he's just like, I would love you even if you are ugly. And then they're like, Oh, that's good enough. (laughs) So I think he said something like, All these faces are wrong because he knows her real face or something like that. And then they just let her keep the face uh, yeah. that she had, and then they started dating, even though she's crazy. Yep. And then there's some other guys, too. Um, like, Okuyasu is kind of like a Kuwabara-type character. Um, you know, like the sidekick thug yeah. character. He's not very smart. And... Um, He's he's got some brother I think that appears as well. Yeah, now his brother point. his brother controls GI Joe action figures. That was his stand. <laughs> he controls toys, mm-hmm. and uh, and uses them to like you know try to destroy jo- uh, JoJo, and he winds up dying, and then apparently, um, uh, yo yeah, yeah fuck God these names. Okay, Yasu like joins becomes Jojo's friend. And um and then there's like Rohan who's voiced by Vic Mignogna. Yes. Um So he's actually like I like I actually kinda like Rohan's character. I mean, I kinda like Rohan's character. He's like based on uh Iraqi. He he based the character on himself. Okay. He's like one of his favorite characters. Okay. But he's like a manga artist that's yeah. all his powers relate to that. Well yeah, because like the guy they go after is this guy that's like a serial killer for women. Like he walks around with like hands and stuff of like the the girls that he finds attractive. Yeah. And then he basically kills onto the hands until they deteriorate because that's what flesh does. And then he goes and finds some other patsy chick. And um, but anyways, he gets like a he do, he hits up the uh, plastic surgery chick, kills her, so he's got a new identity. Because they start playing this detective work on, like, okay, this button came from a certain manufa- like a person in town or tailor, and so we can find out who the customer is, and then he kind of gave himself away. But, yeah. He, I, he like, blows up the, the shop when they're yeah. trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, so, like, the shop gets blown up. Um, but it was a fact that Rohan, like, did die permanently, I think. Because there was a thing, there was a thing where like, 
the the body he took over, um, or the identity he took over, like he's a family guy, so he's got a son, and so then like his son, he puts a stain on his son to basically like go through a Groundhog Day effect, where he rewinds time, and so he gets to see like every single event unfold, as long as the same like patterns in an event happen every time, um, so then like you know, he's tar- he's trying to ro- uh, warn Rohan and. And regardless, like, if he got Rohan not to do the same thing, Rohan still would have died. And I'm pretty sure he did. I, I, yeah, because, like, if he blew up, there's no way that the Josuke could fix him. Well, the thing is, they, the, the, the Yoshikari Kira has this power, and, uh, it, like, makes things loop. Uh, but then the, the kid figures out how to, um, how to kind of overcome it, because he's, He's like stopping the 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 mother from like answering the phone, and uh, yeah. stopping her from dropping the dishes and all these things. So he found he figured out like that his life was looping and uh, yeah. managed to alert the other guys about it. Even but then uh, there was all this stuff where Rohan can like write inside of people to make them um, obey yeah, him or something. Yeah, exactly. Which is yeah, that's what happened because. Um... Okay, Rohan, yeah, Rohan can read people and write commands, but Yoshikage Kira did the same thing. So it was like he adapted his power somehow. That never really got explained, I don't think. I think that his stand can uh, copy other stands or something. I don't know. Um, oh, crap, shoot. I'm just trying to think. I'm scrolling through the JoJo wiki now trying to figure out whether or not this guy died. I mean, I'm going everything off memory. Yeah, me too. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of some like ridiculous stuff. Like, so like you know, we find out what Josuke's power is because there was that one thug that tried to pick a fight with him early in the season, and he turns him into a, a stone, basically. So the guy's alive, but he's a living stone, and he'll yeah, stay that way for the rest of his life. No, he was a serial. Like no, he was a serial killer. killer. He was a killer, and Josuke got him and made him into a rock. And he sits in the middle of town, and that's the end of that. Yeah. Um. Then there's that weird, uh, that glob-looking character. Remember him? It, it was like, the, just like a big, like, puddle of something with eyes sticking out of it. No. He lives in, like, an attic or something. He has some oh. story about his dad or something. No, that's re- I thought that was related to the. Fu- no, that's related to the guy to to Okuyasu. I thought because it wasn't their their father or whatever. Like there was that oh. monster. Yeah, there was that. That was like it was their dad or something. Okay. That uh, yeah, I knew that was somebody's father. Well, the only thing that that were blobs were like that that rat that was a stand that like made people into like flesh blobs or whatever. The, uh, wasn't wasn't there also a, a, like a cat that had a stand that was like also a plant? Yes, the, that, it was like, a plant that acted like a cat. Yes. Yeah. And then you got an alien because this JoJo's, so why not add aliens? Yeah. Yeah, there's this guy who's who's always talking about how he's an alien, and they leave it kind of ambiguous as to whether he's like insane or if he's actually. <laughs> I like how Josuke cons the alien to becoming a die so he can, like, get money from Rohan <laughs> during a, a gambling match. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, there's all these quick ways for them to make money, and then they lose it really instantly. Like, what was it? They they forge like a lottery ticket that somebody threw out. Uh, this is when that that other kid shows up that has the called Shigechi. Yeah, he's the one. And that, his, his power his is like stand, he gets money. His stand is collecting money that people throw away. Well, it's collecting things like cans, and he recycles them. And he's like, "This is how I get you know so much money because I don't have friends, and this is what I do with my time." And then uh, freaking Yoshikaka Kira like blast him into oblivion when they're at the middle school or something, and I, I something about a. Oh, yeah, man. Fuck, there's so much. Yeah. Uh, the, um, he he somehow the, discovers about um, Yoshikage Akira's powers or something like that. I remember that the, the, he, there was this incident where um, the guy has, like, a hand in a bag or something like this. And then, and then uh, the kid has like a sandwich or something, and they yeah, get swapped. yeah. And they're like trying to eat. They're trying to break into like the gym to get like free coffee from the the PE teacher or something. And then that's how they get that that whole thing happens. And then eventually, like Kira, Kira meets that guy, that kid, and then just explodes him or whatever with his stand. But this all they all know about this guy because of a. a um, uh, Koichi going down like yeah, I was going down an alley and he meets like a dead girl and her dog, and she talks about like there's a serial killer because there's been all these mysterious deaths for years, and nobody in the town wants to deal with it, and yeah, so then like so that's so that's how they first know about it, and then it gets into the Yoshikage Akira arc, um, yeah, but then there's like some other like you know like one episodes where like you had the the guy that was a chef that was a stand user. So like oh, he eats food, them cry. yeah. He, he he eats their food, and so it kill, cures like ailments. Like you know, if you got a cavity, the teeth will come out, and you'll get new teeth. Or like you know, if you have like an itch, like your skin will peel off, and it'll grow back, and you have like better skin and all this other stuff. So like he wasn't really a threat at all. Yeah, that was a weird one because it, it they kept uh, th- their face would do like these insane like animations and stuff where they they would start like melting or something and then it would turn turn back to normal and it looked better than before or something yeah and they kept thinking like oh he's like gonna kill us with his food this time and then it just kept doing it like good stuff and then uh in the end they decided that he's not a bad guy <laughs> which is weird because usually like the villain is the guy with the, the new stand user or whatever that they have to deal with like in part three every stand user they run into he's either like a bad guy or He's a bad guy who joins them after they defeat him, like Kakyoin or Polnareff yeah. um, or something. So, yeah, this guy, he's just like a one-off guy, and they don't really... He shows up maybe once again, because at one point they do show, like, all the stand are just gathered together to to hear some story about Kira or something like that, uh, like from Raimi, but, which is that girl with the dog. But, um, yeah, like in general, he's not really shown after that. The other one-off characters I can think of is like the early on there was that like punk dude that was like a hustler, and so like he, oh, yeah. he like you know made Koichi look like a bad kid, and and then like he gets his face pummeled and he's like starts like serving Koichi. Um, yeah, gosh. So now it's just slowly coming back to me because I haven't seen this stuff in like a year. Yeah, there there are there are some others. Um, there's there's this guy who lives in this uh, tower. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, the power like, the, the, outside of town. The electrical tower, yeah. And, yeah, and he's got like this self-sufficient, like off-the-grid lifestyle, and he's like swinging around on these like steel beams of like this half-constructed tower kind of thing. Well, the tower's fully constructed; it's just decommissioned because they, there's no they don't have power going to it. But it, yeah. it's so much money to guess tear it down, so they'll just leave it out there as a landmark or whatever. Yeah. But it doesn't explain like how he lives out there. Like it's got it rains in the show. So what does he do when it when it rains? Like where can he hide? There's no like cover or anything. Yeah. Unless he has like a tarp and he puts it up when it's about to rain and takes it down when it's done. Well, what was his stand power? Something about like the towers possessed, so like no one can, nobody can. It's only allowed to have one person in there because if you leave, you die or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Or you, someone has to be touching the tower is the thing. Or, yeah, like, you can't touch the ground or. I, I freaking don't remember, but that was kind of... Yeah, I do remember the roles, and the alien guy was, like, flying around up in the in the tower fighting him and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, um, the, the, there was... there was That was, like, during the arc where they had, like, several different um, stand users. I think there was, like, maybe one of them that went after JoJo's mom or something like that. Um, or Koichi, or like one of the weaker characters, you know. Was... The, the other one I can think of is the guy that like was the motorcycle punk and had like his uh, his girlfriends, and um, because that was related to like a doorway in like this like the the tunnel, because that's how Rohan and uh, freaking uh, JoJo. Oh. Got wrapped up in that, so like the motor, like it's a stand that like hunts them down. It's invisible. Mm-hmm. Is that they called the, like uh, Highway Star? <laughs> That's it. After the Deep Purple song. Yeah. And they probably changed it in the in the show though, because they always have to change the name. Maybe they changed it to Freeway Star or something. You know, they always make some minor change where you can kind of tell. Yeah, I think they kept. I think they kept Highway Star. Maybe they did because uh, it's just the name of like a song. Yeah, band bands band. are bands are different. Um, Although they keep Dio, even I, though there's I, the band Dio. I don't know. I, I can't. It, it I can't is kind of weird. I can't answer copyright things. I'm surprised there yeah. wasn't a stand or a person called like Savage Garden or something because they had the. Um, I mean, the ending song is by "Ooh, I Want You" by Savage Garden. Oh. And I figured, oh, there's probably—I mean, you figured there might be a stand based off that song, and there wasn't. And I like when well, I when I knew that was the ending song to the show, I was like, wow, that's something I haven't heard since 1996 when that was popular. It was like once it, it, once that we got out of the 90s, everyone forgot about Savage Garden. Well, the reason it is because the show is set during the 90s, and uh, uh, but it was created during the 80s, the manga. Yeah, they they had it set in the future. That, so they, when they yeah, wrote that it, they sense. didn't know about 90s music yet. Yeah, Savage Garden might have not have been an established band at that time, or if they were, they were so underground that nobody knew. Okay, Cloud is giving us information here in the chat. He says, it was high get, Highway Go-Go in the, in the job. Okay. 
Cloud is our JoJo expert. <laughs> Um, there, 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 I'm sure there are plenty of other villains that we're forgetting about because there, there was, there were several that they would introduce and have kind of short arcs. But the main guy is Kira, and um, that that guy I thought was a pretty good villain um, because he's more of a kind of a believable villain after the whole, um, you know, all the stuff with vampires and everything and in the earlier seasons. And this guy is just kind of a serial killer who's, like, trying to cover up his tracks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of suspense involved with the character. Um, and and uh, he's got this great theme music that plays that's very ominous. And uh, that, that, that's always playing whenever they show him, like, at his house with um, his, like, new wife and kid. And uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, and you do feel kind of conflicted about it uh, because, like, the woman is so uh, dependent on him. Like, she's a Japanese housewife, and she like is used to having this sort of, um, you know, I, I think they're called vegetarian men in J- or something like this in, in J- herbivore men. That's what they call them in Japan, which is essentially like what would be called a beta male in America. Okay, uh, which is just kind of like. Uh, you know, passionless, uh, well, bored kind of existence. Yeah, uh, where you're not very good with women. A pushover sissy guy or whatever, and yeah, and so like he and, starts like acting like an alpha male, and she's just like all over that because like for her, she's ungrateful because like he's not there to basically like put her in her place, and then she's like feels like she has to be in charge, and so that she gets all you know bitchy and moody about it. And then Yoshikaki uh-huh. Kira takes over this guy, and she's just like, "Oh my gosh, I don't know what happened to him, but I'm ready to ride his dick." And right, yeah. So then, like, the the relationship gets a whole lot better, or she, you know, she's in love with him now. Like, you know, back to serving him and you know being submissive and all that, and she's happy. Um, but yeah, I, and you can like empathize with her, but uh, at the same time, like, there are also perils of like the alpha or whatever, because. He's, like, an insane killer. Like, you know, a lot of alphas throughout history are, like, mass murderers or whatever, like Genghis Khan or whatever. Yeah. Was like, we could say, like, the ultimate alpha who, like, fucked millions of women and, like, half the planet is descended from him, you know? <laughs> I, a good so, portion of the Chinese population, like, I think it was past, like, 10%. I thought it was past 10%. It's, it's a large percentage of the largest country on the planet, yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, but but at the same time, he he also killed a whole lot of people, and the same is true here with Kira, where like he's a better lover for her than this sort of like bored, passionless, um, you know, post World War Two Japanese male. But at the same time, he's also evil, and you kind of want him to get caught because he's like murdering random people. But at the same time, you also know that that's going to like ruin his family, and his wife didn't really do anything wrong, and so you do have like kind of a conflicted feeling. Especially when the, there are whole episodes that just revolve around him, and they don't have Jotaro in it, or I mean Josuke in it at all. Like the one with the uh, there's like she his his wife finds this uh, cat in the basement. Uh, yeah, and that's where the whole cat because apparently like the cat possesses a no he bury he kills the cat, buries it under the flower bed or. or I think he wasn't. I think he wasn't supposed to kill her because she wanted to keep it, or I don't know. Well, what happened was it was down in the basement, and she like went down in there to get something, and then uh, it was like flying around, attacking her or something, and she accidentally yeah. killed it. 
and then he had to bury it, and then it turned into a the plant, a, a plant, and then it had this power and everything. Yeah. And then he's like using it as a weapon later on against. Well, what was and stuff. what was it like? He he his power combined. He combined himself with the plant, so he's like Krang from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Or like he then he have like in his belly or something, and so like he's able to use the same. He's able to absorb the powers that way, and use the bubble attacks. Yeah, like it sits right there in his stomach. Yeah, that's also like you can tell this was written in the eighties. Like you know, Armaki was just like, oh man, I really like that Crane villain from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, what if I combined this cat plant animal with a human and his body? That's totally gonna work with the logic of the show. Yeah. Yeah, but you can kind of empathize with her because she like feels bad about telling this cat, even though it was like attacking her in the basement in the dark, and she didn't like mean to hit it with the pot or whatever. But you can like relate to this woman because she's in like this really difficult situation. But then the kid is like a totally different story because the kid is like extremely suspicious. Yeah, yeah, he calls he 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 calls on BS on that. He recognizes that his father is acting totally different. And he yeah. figures out that he's a uh, like, uh, different guy because like, of some obscure thing, like his shoe size changes or something like this. And he's like gradually shifting his shoes. Every, uh, uh, every day he buys like a slightly larger size of shoe or something like this. Yeah. Uh, because I guess like, you know how there was this sort of um, incident in the 2016 election where Marco Rubio was saying like Donald Trump has small hands, that means he also has a small penis. I guess in Japan, they think if you have large feet, that means you also have a larger penis or something. Well, I thought the, that was like you know, kind of the general consensus there, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, this he's, he's like changing his shoe sizes or something, and the Hayato is like filming the house or something, and he's like comparing the footage of the shoes changing. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's like this incredibly autistic child, <laughs> like... Uh, obsessed with like filming everything or something yeah and and so he gradually figures out what's what's going on and then he has to alert um josuke and, and them after he finds out about rohan and, uh, and i did look on the on like this plot summary and like yeah they do they do break the cycle and uh and save rohan but uh what what ends up happening is that that, that other guy um okuyasu he gets injured by the cat plants, uh, which, like, spits out seeds at him or something. Yeah. And they explode, and, uh, like, they think he's dead for a while, but then he comes back. And, uh, um, because Josuke keeps using his diamond power on him, trying to revive him, and it's not working, but then eventually he, he just, like, comes to see the light or something and revives, and, um, and so I, I think all the main characters do end up, um, surviving other than Kira who ends up getting killed by uh like just like traffic I think. Like he just gets hit by a car like in the That's middle of the right. battle. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. Yeah, kinda of an- anticlimactic or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I guess it's unexpected and you know, it's like different way to Yeah. For the end. I don't know. But yeah, usually you would expect like you he-, he would get killed by like the stand punching him a bunch or something, you know. Like that's pretty much how how other villains seem to get killed on these shows. But I guess JoJo is kind of like a more cerebral show or whatever, where they try to play with your expectations and then that sort of thing. They don't just want it to be like a simple like dudes punching each other. 
so they have kind of complex powers for these stands and, mm-hmm. and stuff. Oh. I I just know what was funny was the fact that like one of the stand users is a baby. And they have uh-huh. and so then like there's the episode where like um old man Jojo like basically uses all of Josuke's money. Even though old man Jojo's rich as hell. But he still wants Josuke's money because like he didn't have his card that day or something and never bothered to pay him back. And so anyways, like they dress the baby up, but the baby like has like these massive sunglasses. And it reminds me of like that image, like splash image on YouTube where it's like Mr. Plinkett reviews babies day out. So they make like an image of like a Mr. Plinkett baby. So I just always look at that as like the Plinkett baby. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I, what it reminds me of was the character from Duel Masters called Boy George. And the dog had like a George Mason impression. And he was like <laughs> this baby that would play card games, but he had like on his sunglasses. <laughs> And like a pacifier in his mouth, but but in the dub he had this like deep gravelly voice where he tried to sound like this handsome movie star. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it was pretty funny because that that you show is like a total kids. gag dub. But uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, this baby can become invisible in this show. And, no, what um, what was it they had to do? It was like in the water, and they're afraid of was drowning or something. So then they had to do something ridiculous for like. Jo- I think it was old man Jojo about how to like sacrifice himself to find the babies because they couldn't find it in the water because it was invisible. So then they had to like cut. No, I think J- old man Jojo had to cut himself and use the uh-huh. blood to like make the shape outline to find the baby. And then you know, the baby's safe anyways. It was something ridiculous like that. Yeah, I do remember him, like, bleeding, and, yeah, then they f- find the baby, and he, like, uh, looks after the baby from then on, and that's kind of his main role Yeah, from that point on in the show. Oh, man. There's a lot of JoJo's that we're, we're totally missing out, but that was kind of, like, the highlights for us. Right. Yeah, I um, I think we covered, really, like, what stuck out to us, and, yeah, there, there are a lot of skipped over, but... Um, I think we we caught most of it. Do you want do you want to move on to the closing remarks, or you? Yeah, yeah. I, I got nothing else to say on JoJo's, so that was kind of okay. a very brief review. Um, yeah, wait one second. Uh, I, I was just remembering that there's something else. Uh, there's this manga called Rohan at the Louvre that I bought a few years ago. Okay. Uh, which is like a hardcover book that's like really tall manga. It's like totally different dimensions than what you would usually see from a manga. Yeah, but um, it's just kind of like, it like, like the old like. It's just kind of the old hardback issues that like Raging Comics used to make. Like it's like the like the like eleven by eighteen kind of like manga. Yeah, I, I think so. I never uh, bought Raging, but I do remember. I do remember seeing the magazines at Bookman's. Yeah, because they would make it into uh, which... a magazine size, and they did the same thing with like um, the the press company that put out like five star stories. Raging Comics did that for their Fist in the North Star manga. Um, they made it into bigger ones. Gun of the Origin originally by Viz was the same way. Yeah, it's actually even more extreme than that. Um, wow. I actually cannot even fit it on my bookshelf. So it's like sitting in between two of my shelves on the ground because <laughs> uh, it's so tall. Uh-huh. But uh, but it's it's like this oversized, um, well, in terms of being tall, it's it's not that many pages. But, uh, but it's basically, it's like some horror mystery involving... Uh, uh, Rohan Kishibe, and I think it's set before um, Part Four, 
and uh, it involves like uh, I think it involves the Mona Lisa or something. Uh, I don't remember the plot very well, but it, it was something that I read before I read um, part four or saw the part four anime. Yeah, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Like there there were some autobiographical parts about like you know I think probably inspired by the author's childhood about like how he became a manga artist and that kind of thing in there as well. So, yeah, that was actually, like, the first um, JoJo's manga that was translated into English uh, by the, I guess it was, like, commissioned by the Louvre and then translated into a variety of different languages. Um, and so it was released before uh, Part 3 got the soft cover um, graphic novels that came out in, like, the mid-2000s through Viz. Gotcha. So that that's just, like, a unique little artifact. And there are some, like, some other Rohan things as well. I think there are a couple of OVAs that have come out since the the anime ended. Is which it, I have is, not checked but, out but yet. Is it, is it all like ex, um, exclusive in Japan, the OVAs? Or... Yeah, but I think that they are being dubbed. But just haven't been released yet. Okay. So maybe those will air on Konami at some point, or maybe I'll have to find one Blu ray or something. I don't know. Maybe. But, but yeah, I think we'll move on to closing remarks now. Uh... So do you want to do the DBZ leak? Yeah, we can go ahead and knock that out. So, closing remarks. Um, I didn't know about this until this morning, and apparently it was trending on Twitter today, that there are some old um, minus one um, DBZ like outtakes that I guess have been saved on some sort of computer at Funimation for God knows how long, for almost 20 years. And it's basically yeah. a bunch of... What political correctness would say call it as offensive. I, I, a lot of the stuff is pretty. Actually, some of the stuff is pretty great. It's funny, but that it's just hilarious. kind of. But the thing is, like, I'm not offended by like the jokes in there that they made, which is mostly just like gay sex and, and rape jokes and Sean Chamel calling Gohan a faggot and it's being part of the fag police or whatever. But um, yeah, he just starts yelling like fag over yeah. and over, and then asking <laughs> if, if part of his training is for um, King Kai to like suck him off and then come all over them. And I don't know why they have this stuff saved, but they did, and someone found it. Um, but they probably uh, like watch it and laugh every now. Yeah, I think, but now it's out to the public. Now everyone knows about it, and now people are making like AMVs off of it. Like the best one is the audio. They called it the DBZ audio drama, which is like Chris Sabat doing all the voices of Piccolo, Yamcha, Mister Popo, and um, Kami, and it's just when like one big gay orgy first, or something. I didn't know. It was one guy doing them all. Yeah. I didn't know either. I thought like Chris Sabat did like maybe in most three voices, and I didn't know he did. Because yeah, anyways, but like the stuff is yeah. the like, stuff for is me, really the ones funny. Or obviously him are like Piccolo, Vegeta, and Yamcha because they have like the deepest voices. Yeah. But um, the other ones like Kami and Mister Popo and Guru and all these other weird characters that they threw in there, I didn't know that those guys were Sabat. No. I mean, it's, okay, it depends on how you look at it. Like, personally, I think it's funny. But right. it's the fact that Funimation has done this entire tirade. And it's, it's been... funny-mation. Ah, okay. But it's it's the purpose of the fact that Toei executives are in the United States talking over <laughs> DBZ rights, and then this stuff gets leaked out. So they're going to start asking questions like, why did you guys make gay rape jokes? Um about our our property 
And so, because like, it's a time, it's a timed it. leak. Because it, it, people who did this are like showing that Funimation and all the people that are part of this kick dick fiasco and support that are just full of crap. And any, I could tell you, I knew that from the start. There's not a moral, total moral bone about them, which is why it's like Vic is looking really good in this. Just saying, even if you don't agree with the guy or whatever, I'm just pointing out the facts. Um, but yeah, it's like, oh, this was, it's definitely a setup thing regarding like, uh, you know, they want people are like clamoring that DBZ should go to Viz. Cause I think if it goes to Viz, then pot because Viz hasn't gotten rid of not using Vic as far as I know because he voiced for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, so like say he wants to they get they get it, and he's like hey can I do my voice of Brawly they're like yeah sure, you know you're not part of Funimation anymore so you can be Brawly again, so that's kind of like yeah. this giant middle finger to them which would be which would be great, um, uh, anyways yeah but... so what what I'm kind of concerned about is like super is uh, not dubbed very far in advance, and sometimes they're not able to make the next episode preview because they haven't made, uh, you know, the dub for the next episode yet when the when the current episode is airing. Yeah. So I'm concerned, like, maybe they haven't done five episodes yet and it gets yanked at the last minute and Tsunami doesn't get to air at all or something. I don't want that to happen. But I kind of do want them to lose the license after it ends on Tsunami. <laughs> well, <laughs> the thing, well, the thing is, like, animation. the thing is, like, that's got to violate some sort of contract agreement that... Right. Tsunami has the, you know, or Cartoon Network has the rights to air that, so like, you know, if they pull it, then I'm sure there's probably, there should be some clause in there like, you know, if you pull this, and, you know, we didn't screw up on our end, we can take you guys to court, so that would be a big mess. If I mean, I'm hopefully that's what DeMarco agreed to on a, on a contract, and hopefully it's something, some sort of clause is like that in there. Um, so they would have to finish airing, and then they can probably just never, sh- I mean, they can still show Dragon Ball, but like, I think it would have to come from another, um, company or whatever it, it all depends but i don't think it's going to be an instant regarding toei's decision on dragon ball they i mean they, nothing may happen but um it's just kind of interesting like you know this stuff gets leaked as all this stuff is going down on the corporate level between toei and, and dragon ball z or in front of and um, somebody leaked this stuff to vic's lawyer and then he put it out there on a youtube live stream. yeah well there's this giant twitter thing and someone tagged in yellow flash and I mean, he's the he's the only YouTube personality that's actually like the thing is with these people. It's like they do these big bold text things, like "Oh, look what they said." They're calling for you know um, Vic's head, and then like the YouTuber, whether it's Unreal Network or Yellow Flash or whatever, they're like, "Oh, this is the comment they said," but it's mostly just them giving their opinion. They don't like there's no like solid facts. They're just kind of reading out a tweet and just laughing at it for like 15 minutes. And and they just kind of repeat themselves over and over. It's just a waste of time. I like I just don't like I'm not like and t- depending on the videos, I'm not actively seeking out that stuff because when you click on it, you're paying. The click it's basically clickbait articles because they're getting the advertisements on there, so they're getting money for every time you watch their videos. So it's just helping them just churn out whatever stuff they can read on the internet that any Joe Blow can make an opinion on, like us. But we're not getting paid for that. Just saying. So. Right. Yeah. So, like, to me, it's like I just don't. I don't care about Line Rule Network. I don't care about Yellow Flash. I really don't. I don't. I'm not going to support them at all because I realize what the gimmick is. And yeah, it's working for them if you're on the if you want to be on the support Vic side. So, yeah, it's just like that's just nonsense. It's it's just a game. But you know, all for views or whatever because you got to do whatever you got to do to get that money. Um. But yeah, it's just kind of. It's just more. It's more fuel for the fire for them and. 
Yeah, I can see why they're doing what they're doing because there is a big loyal support base, and uh, so they they're uh, cashing in on it and shilling for pick, and that's fine because you know like everybody needs their defenders and their critics so that the two sides can have it out and see like who's guilty and who's here. And I do appreciate that the people who are defending Vic are digging up this dirt on Funimation because yeah. Funimation has run Dragon Ball Z uh, into the ground. I mean, look at all the times they've released it on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray. Every time they've released it, they've screwed something up. And so if they, if this is finally the straw that breaks the camel's back and finally Toei says, we're, we've had it with you re-releasing this series over and over and every time you do it, we get swamped with phone calls from Americans saying like, why don't you just give them the Dragon Box Masters? Why don't you uh, let them finish the 4-3 uh, level sets on Blu-ray? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Because they always screw something up, you know. Um, and, like, every time they do it, they say, well, this is the new definitive release of Dragon Ball Z. And then it turns out it's, like... Wouldn't re- it usually be, like, a worse release than the one before? Yeah, it's always got some new problem, like some issue with the remastering, or it's in the wrong dimensions, or yeah. uh, it's 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 always something. And I I feel like if you give if they if they relicense this to somebody else, like um, like Viz or Discotech or something, they're they're going to do a better job with it. Uh, oh, I, I highly think. highly. I mean, Discotech is going to lose their crap if they. I mean, like, Discotech is, like, the worthwhile company to handle it. I mean, like, anyone is more competent. Um, But, like, you know, I could see Viz getting it because then they would have all the rights in America regarding the manga and the anime in their hands. Just like they have with Sailor Moon. Yeah, it's definitely... I would support Viz Viz getting it. Viz is, like, tied to Japan in a lot of ways. I think that they're, like... Maybe they're owned by Shogakugan or something like this, one of these Japanese companies. Mm -hmm. But, um... Yeah, and they do release big titles like they have Naruto, they have Bleach, they have uh, Inuyasha, they have Sailor Moon. So they could afford to buy this, and I don't think Discotech could, uh, frankly. That's why I feel. I mean, Discotech's successful, like getting the. They have their market for people that want to collect the older stuff. Um, But in terms of, like, them having the money for whatever the license is for Dragon Ball Z because of how big and popular it is, and Funimation's had that for over 20 years, Viz is the only competent company that would pay that. I don't think Right Stuff might not have that kind of money. I mean, but I know Right Stuff would do a really good job with it, for sure. Um, Anything beats out Aniplex, let's put it that way. Right, I mean, can you imagine what they would charge for a 300-episode series like Dragon Ball Z? They would charge, like, $10,000 $10,000 for the DVD set if you bought like yeah but but yeah um, I don't think Anaplex is going to get it uh, but uh, I think it'll probably it'll probably end up going to Viz if this even matters but you have to keep in mind this stuff was made 20 years ago uh-huh. I mean if you if you look at it it's it's clearly based on the original version of Dragon Ball Z and not Kai because Krillin's line is uh, like him complaining about like I give this bitch everything, and he's like talking about um, Marin, yeah, his that, girlfriend that, yeah. from the Garlic Junior Saga, yeah, which cause... is not in kind. So it's uh, clearly twenty years old, season four dub. Yeah, they're because um, I know that was related to like Marin and uh, Android eighteen because like he said like 
you know, it's talking plural, meaning one person, but someone just decided to like put Marin, uh, excuse me, Belch, uh, in that like little clip show or whatever, like on Twitter. Oh, which I think it works. Okay. Well, well I see. I got confused cause there's two Marins. You know, there's like the daughter well, Marin. Marin was Marin. Marin was the airhead hot chick in the Garlic Junior saga, and supposedly she comes. She, well, she does come back like sometime in. I think it's like sometime in the anime series. Um, like when she Krillin's, does appear once in the Android saga. Yeah, and then like she goes see Master Roshi. She's like, "Oh, I miss Krillin," and he's just like, "Yeah, Krillin's done with you, but I ain't." <laughs> uh, yeah. Ew. Roshi's never done with Eros's big hits and ass. Yeah. Um. But by that point, Krillin is more interested in Android 18. Oh no, he got the better he got the better package or the better deal with Android 18 by turning her human. But then he has a kid with her and he calls her Marin, which is weird. Maybe there's like a different spelling of Marin. Yeah, I never... It is true. There's one R in one and two R's in the other. See, I don't know if the it's... Airhead one had two R's and maybe her was just one. I don't know. I don't remember which is which. They, they do make some reference to this in Super, mm-hmm. where uh, Android 17 is meeting Krillin and uh, they're trying to recruit 17 to the tournament. And they're like making some comment about Marin versus Marin or something, you know. And it, it was kind of like a weird oblique reference where you can't quite tell like what exactly was meant by it, but I think it was kind of like a, a slight reference to the fact that there are two characters called Marin and, and Dragon Ball Z, um, which is kind of weird that they would acknowledge that that stuff is still canon because they edited it out of Kai, which is what aired right before Super, you know. Right. But, uh, I guess they, they do still remember her Kai and everything. I mean, they do still remember the Garlic Jr. saga. It, I mean, the, the whole Garlic Jr. thing being canon never made sense to begin with because that character originates in the, uh, in, in the movie, uh, The Dead Zone. And in The Dead Zone, uh, Go- Goku, uh, and, and, uh, Krillin are fighting against Garlic Jr. Mm-hmm. and Gohan is also there. Uh, and this is supposed to be set before uh, Raditz arrives on Earth. Uh, but but uh, then in, in the first episode of Dragon Ball Z, or second episode, or whenever uh, Krillin meets Gohan, he acts all shocked that Goku has a son, uh, even though he, they were fighting uh, against Garlic Jr. together supposedly before this. I mean, there's always these contradictions between the movies and the show, because the movies are not written by Toriyama, and they're, you know... They were just written by Toei to mm-hmm. to make money or whatever, and they didn't fully like make sure that it coheres with what's happening in the show. And so there's always this question of like, what is canon and what is not with this stuff? Because because there there are characters that appear in the in the movies that then start appearing in the show. Like um, Gohan has this friend called Icarus with this purple dragon that yeah. appears in Lord Slug and some of the other movies. Gotcha. And then he starts appearing in, in the show. He's in the, I think he's in the Android Saga as well as the Garlic Junior Saga. Same with you know Marin, you know. Uh, so it, it, you know the whole thing is very confusing with all the canon stuff, and especially when you factor in like the fact that there's a Broly movie, mm-hmm. and then now there's another Broly movie that doesn't acknowledge the other Broly. 
<laughs> so, I, I don't know. I mean, Dragon Ball Z canon does not really make sense. You probably shouldn't try to think about it. <laughs> Yeah. And plus the whole fact that the, I mean, like, do these new movies even match up with, with Super? Because like they tell the same story. The first two arcs of the anime Super are just taken from the from the movies. Like, which version is true canon or whatever? You know, like people will always argue like, what's the definitive version of Dragon Ball Z? What's I the real? I, I couldn't even answer. I couldn't even start to answer that for. I don't know. This it, it, is kind of like you have to just throw your hands up and be like, you know what? I give up. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, that's a cartoon. I mean, yeah, that's that's the attitude you ultimately should have is like you can acknowledge their contradiction, but then just say, okay, I'm not gonna worry about this when I watch it. I'm just gonna chill out and watch the fucking space monkeys beat each other to senseless, you know? Huh. <sighs> Okay, uh, I think we covered Dragon Ball. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I, I, got a friend, I, I got a friend kind of texting me regarding just stuff. Going, it's the same guy, but just we're just texting on Telegram. So I'm kind of halfway paying attention to you. But yeah, it's the audience member the, that's uh, what's mo- most important to what you have to say. Yeah, let's move on to the CN Reborn stuff and talk about what those idiots have been up to. Oh, boy. Um... So they banned. I thought we'd mentioned this the last recording we did with Pragma, or maybe that was something else. We talked about them banning you last recording. Oh yeah. So so since then they banned another guy because he asked about his Looney Tunes included with his project, and that's just apparently the worst thing you can say, worse than saying the N word and fag and every other word that if, could offend a politically correct person, all in one, five million times over is to ask if Looney Tunes is part of a Cartoon Network project. And, you know, it, but they just, like, they overreacted. And, like, what I've done, and what you've done, which is what I've done, is that we're taking an account, and I will share this to our, and I'll put this in our show notes, a Google Drive file with all the screen caps of how these people act, because I want this archived, on the sheer autism on how these people are acting. Because with them kicking me out of the group, I don't, I couldn't care, care less, nor do I give a fuck about what they're doing, and I kind of just want to see them burn at this point. So, any kind of help we can get on um, destroying these people, I will do it. And seeing this project, like, burn in flames. Now, I would, I would like to, like, the stuff I want to collect, I want to have so much material that a good Mr. Metacore video can come out of it. That's kind of like my goal. <laughs> Yeah, uh, unfortunately, it would have to be on BitChute because he's now banned from YouTube. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that th- th- that guy, uh, that Icebox character that runs the channel, or as he calls himself now, Plexos, is just a real nutcase. I don't know how else to say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he's been like reassessing the uh, stuff that's going to be in the project, and I, I think part of it had to do with this Pragma guy who was apparently obsessed with, like, remastering um, Adult Swim shows, like Family Guy and Breaking Bad. That is what pissed me off. After I get banned, it's like, yeah, we'll do Adult Swim. Yeah, we'll do Toonami. So then the whole list expands, and it's just like, I have content, and I've had content of stuff I've recorded from both Toonami and Adult Swim over the years, 
that I would have loved to give into this project. And you guys were like, nah, we're not going to do that. And then when I get kicked, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess I could see us doing that. And it's like just a giant middle finger to them. And I'm like, you guys need to go. This project needs to die. And you guys need to disperse like the seven Dragon Balls. And <laughs> anyway, so it's like, yeah, so now you're collecting all this stuff because it's like, I want I want the world to know how, how retarded these people are. Um, yeah, I'm still in there, so I'm, I, I give them stay the as long. Uh, the do the bare minimum of posting that one post a month just to stay in there so then I can keep archiving this stuff. Um, so then they banned this Pragma guy, and they decided to do it, like, off the cuff. Like, they just did it. Like, no regard to asking mad. him. They just, yeah. And... And then they later regretted it. And they're like, we probably should have been more professional about it. It's like, you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw the Ed guy who was like, he said that he felt bad because, like, Daft was saying they overreacted or something. Yeah, yeah, it takes Daft to go in there like, you guys are assholes. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and Daft says stuff like, I'm done with this project. These people are insane. The criteria for what they include is absurd. Like well, he say he tells stuff. he tells us that he doesn't tell them that because then they would kick him out. But then it's kind of right. like, yeah, there's no like okay. So the Pragma guy, they're like, well, we don't like how you brag about how much you spend on your DVDs and it's like you're showing off your rich collection, even though in their freaking thing or charter or whatever the heck, they require you to show proof of receipt for the purchases you made to be on their stupid list of contributors for DVDs that you buy online that are stupid expensive. Is yeah. that not the truth? Yeah. This was explicitly... The, There's the, a rule. The whole, the whole hierarchy of this channel is how much you spend, you get a higher rank in the channel. Yeah. And, and that's always been the way it was. And now it's so offensive to do guy, that. This new guy comes in, he adds all these different series to the project, he's remastering all this stuff for them. He offers to do the same for Looney Tunes, and they go berserk on him because, like, oh, we already are doing Looney Tunes. And it's like, okay, then you should be glad that he's interested in the subject. But instead, they just completely lose their shit on him. And they're like, this is the most fundamental element of our project. Looney Tunes is the core of what we're all about. If you don't understand this, you don't belong here. Get out, heretic. Die. <laughs> you know, they go like completely berserk on him. And uh, and they just completely lose it. And they, Icebox has this tendency to write out these incredibly long tirades. About the the rules that he's established that no one else could possibly understand, and uh, so like for instance today, he he's moved on from banning this guy to creating this new channel of not safe for work fan art of cartoons and cartoon porn. Right. Uh, let's. I want to let's let's high. let's go. I want to I'm going to read out this stuff. Let me pull up the images here real quick because I have all this. So. Okay, yeah, I sent you screen caps of the rules that yeah. he established for so, the channel, they which start, are basically none. Yeah, it's, it's just like, way. they're like, oh, we have clothes on, but it's not safe for work. And it's like, you know, if I was at work and I had freaking, like, half furry porn, yeah, that's not safe for work or for anything ever. It's not just the images they post. It's like, you know, fine, whatever. Um, and they get into this whole debate of what is allowed and what is not allowed. So... <laughs> From Icebox. Yeah, so let me tell you what happened before this. So okay, I want to read this. Have... I want to read this stuff out, but let you go first. I want you to describe. To tell me. Well, the reason why Icebox released this information is because uh, basically 
the Ed's kid was like nervous about posting full frontal nudity, and the the gumball kid was uh, also saying stuff like, uh, maybe we shouldn't have uh, furries or underage kids or something. They're splitting uh, hairs in adult content. Are you kidding me? Yeah, and then they were saying like. Well, if we do post this stuff, maybe we should post it behind spoiler tags, and then Icebox chimes in with all his rules, and so you can read those out. Because he made the rules up on the spot like he usually does. I, yeah. Whenever you're ready, I'll go. You go ahead. So, from Icebox. I also don't have a, any problem with underage cartoon anime characters or furries, so they are accepted. I mean, it's inevitable. Most 80% of characters are underage. But blur spoilers can be used for these instances whoever wishes. Since not everyone sees it the same way, I personally don't care because they are cartoon characters, so that's why it doesn't impress me or I see it as a big deal. But everyone has their own sensibilities, so it's cool and actually welcome to blur spoil tag for these instances and the respect of people with different view. But again, not mandatory. It's self-regulatory. I don't take notice if someone doesn't. It's not safe for work. Let's keep it simple. You are going to take notice of it and make a rule about it because that's what you do. So, got this gumball guy. Well, I think some courtesy standards should be a nice to discuss. Either that or they develop over time naturally. Whatever that means. If you don't establish now, it's never going to happen. Experience tells me that not safe for work cartoon related forums eventually run into furry characters and underage characters due to them being extremely common in cartoons. If these are considered acceptable here, but some members are are revolted, spoilers could be useful. Otherwise, I guess it's free for all unless it's, unless it's something actually they, they, like they can't even like they throw out an idea and they can't commit to it. They're like, oh, well, maybe. I guess it's like a softcore debate, like for softcore yeah. porn. <laughs> yeah, and then it, uh, that actually cut off, and I had to send out the the icon, the uh, the screen cap again, because there was like one last line where he said something like, "The only five year old who should be included I'll, is XKG seven three eight." I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to that. I'm gonna get to that. Okay. Best part's coming up and after a few other comments. So, Ed's Kid. I'm completely fine with furry characters. I'm a little nervous about posting new pics of Powerpuff Girls, since they are underage. Oh. And Icebox. Oh, <laughs> yeah, a little. Sure, if, Icebox. Sure, if someone wants to use the spoiler blur things, they can, but they aren't not mandatory. So then, why, if it's not mandatory, then why bring it up anyways? Um, okay, so Gumball. I think anything which is clearly not mature, such as Powerpuff Girls, is generally considered unacceptable. I wouldn't want to see that. That would be a do not post or spoiler with a warning for me. And he continues with only the only acceptable five-year-old is XJ9. <laughs> um, Icebox. Oh, no. Okay, That's so I went to okay, earlier, I okay, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, because I posted it out of order, but because I, I saw the icebox ran and Gumball's word is law. Or... XJ9 is the only five year old you want to bang. Let's let's look up what an XJ9 is. I don't know what an XJ9 is. I, I didn't know either, but it's uh, it's from a cartoon. Oh, this is that robot chick. The my life as a teenage robot is what Google shows. 
Yeah, but it's it's called teenage robot, not five year old robot. So why does he say five year old? You know, this actually reminds me. I think there was a Newgrounds video cartoon video where like it was her getting plowed by like three monsters, and it was kind of graphic. <laughs> I saw that years ago, and that probably doesn't exist anymore. So this is what people got their rocks off to in two thousand three or something. Two thousand. I think I think someone posted this on the Toon Zone chat. To be honest, that's how oh, I saw. Really? It might have been like Shark or, or Shark. Um, who those other degenerates on there. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you guys can look at five year olds and be a pedophile, look at a cartoon character of a robot chick. That's what's allowed on here. It's like you're still a pedophile. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what. Like, the relationship of that is to five-year-olds. I don't know. Maybe this robot I get it, is like, I, like, Okay, I get it that, like, Icebox, the only thing I agree on is, like, dude, guys, it's a cartoon. It's fantasy. It doesn't count. And it's like, okay, fine. Like, you know, 16-year-old looking Lola Bunny and a Hooters out top or whatever looking like a woman with cat because it's furry porn. It's like, all right, fine. XK can beat, beat his, rock, his dick off to that or whatever. I don't care. I don't care what he does. It's like... That's to each their own, but it's kind of like, it's going to result to them, like, it's going to get to the point where people are going to be like, I want to post this hot picture of Powerpuff Girl nudes from Ed's, because this is what I get off. And then they're going to be like, and Alicia's like, no, you're a creepy pedophile. You should feel bad for being a male and have sexual urges for, like, Powerpuff (laughs) Girls. And it's like, well, what if the Powerpuff Girls were, like, 16? Well, then that's okay, because it's mostly legal in most states anyways for con- for consent. And I'm thinking, it's not consent, they're freaking cartoon characters. <laughs> what about Powerpuff Girls T? <laughs> that's what CG would be posting right now. <laughs> <laughs> they look older, like pretty characters. Oh, God. God. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, that that is a dumpster fire. I, I don't think that this should actually be on this project. There should like, never be even a debate over it to begin with. It should have just been like, you know what? If we can't agree on like the middle lines and the and the, and the split hairs and what porn is allowed on here, then we're not going to have it at all. End of discussion. That's it. Just don't do it. Yeah, and if this is supposed to be some like productive uh, thing where they're like going to remaster all these shows and create the ultimate playlist and everything. Maybe they shouldn't be wasting their time looking at, like, cartoon rabbit porn. They had, like, this image that they posted of, like, various cartoon rabbits, and they showed, like, the Space Jam rabbit and, like, the... It was Jessica uh, Rabbit, the Lola Bunny, and Whatever happened to the rabbit, you know, that cartoon. (laughs) What's it called? Roger Rabbit. Yeah, and, and then they're, like... Then they have a picture of the rabbit from Zootopia... And it says 2010s above it, and it's like, what happened to the rabbits? I just wanted to get off the rabbits. <laughs> this it's is why... some, like, picture of a real rabbit at the bottom. <laughs> this is why, it... this is why, like, Master Metacore would, like, eat this up and just laugh at how retarded these people are, because it's just more ammo to the fire of internet autism that he specializes in. And it's just, it's kind of like in a way, I'm like, man, I'm so glad I got out of this, 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 surf, this, this group of people. Because I'm like, right. it's only going to get worse from here, John. And I want us to see if we, we, we can archive every bit of it. Um. Anyways, but that time will come. Yeah. But the fact that they're talking about five-year-olds in there, it's like, that makes me think I don't even want to be a part of this server. Or, like, what happens when the feds find out about this server where they're posting 
a weird pornography. No, you just say, look, I've been working undercover this whole time to bring down these ring of pedophiles, and we have the proof. So if they try to, if they try to, quote, asset wash their server, you've been, we've been sending, he's been sending me screen caps of all this stuff. It's like, yeah, no, this is what they said. They want to, they want to bang five-year-olds. It's right there. Yeah. Right there in the text. Oh, right. You can't, oh, can't miss it. the feds. I'm Q. The storm is coming. I'm arresting all the pedophiles. Justice is going to come to the evil people running the world. <laughs> They're all running it from the CN Reborn server. <laughs> mm. Um. So, anyways, you want to hear about my crappy life of jobs? <laughs> okay, we can talk about the uh, the gorilla mindset of the roofing company. Why? Right, here we go. Um, so, I, since our last recording, yeah, since our last recording, um, I thought I had a job set up, I did, and then I wound up quitting after about a week or so, and there's good reasons why. So, I got like, it was like, like the first Friday of, 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 uh, this month of, of August, so it was earlier this month. Yeah, we're recording August 30th. And, um, anyways, so I got like two job interviews and I did one for some sort of consulting company that morning and they were like, oh, we want you to go to door to door and like upgrade people's services to AT&T. Is this something you want to do? And I'm like, no, not really. (laughs) And, um, so then I had a second interview at a roofing company that I, I thought I might have applied for. Because here's the thing, like, I found out, like, I figured, like, this all connects now, where, like, I was applying for jobs, like, crazy online through, like, Indeed, ZipRecruiter, whatever, and I think when these websites, when they detect people looking for jobs on their site, like, they'll farm out your application to companies that are hiring, no matter what they are, so then you start getting calls, so I got, like, three phone calls, I was supposed to, I got, like, three job interview phone calls in one day on a Wednesday, like, earlier this month, and one was for a company I, I, I had worked for before. And they said they're going to call me next week, and they never did. And the other one was for this, like, consulting company. When they called me, I was like, I have never heard of you guys in my life. I don't even know what job this is for. And they're like, well, and I was like, well, I'll come in for the interview. Why not? So I'll figure out what you guys are trying to do. And then the other one was for this construction company, but they promoted as Pink Gorilla Roofing. And I was like, well, I think I remember applying to a construction company months ago. Or a few weeks ago, I don't remember because I sent so many applications out. So I was like, you know, okay, sure, I'll do that. So the consulting job was a bust, and so then I go to the uh, or uh, contracting company CNC, and the, I was there for ten minutes, and the guy was like, you know, seemed really happy. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna talk to my district manager. I really like what I see on your application. Yada yada, you know, your resume looks good. I want to get you in for a second interview. And I was thinking, oh, awesome, great, because I haven't had that success yet for a second interview on any job. So then he gives me a text that night saying I, I'm, I'll show up on Monday for a second interview, and I did. Um, <clears throat> so there's, a, there's been some red, a lot of red flags that I just kind of overlooked because I was just wanting to get a good paying job. And so I show up on Monday for my second interview, and the word was that there were supposed to be three other people that showed up, and I was the only one that did. And I'm thinking, well, you know, why... And my, and, that's usually a red flag that people, like, what it means is people looked at this company and were like, nah, they're sketchy, I'm not working for them. I didn't do any research, so it's a lesson learned. Um, so anyways, I spent, I, I did the second interview, I they got me through, like, all these apps and stuff that they get set up with. They're going to buy me, like, equipment. They actually bought me a ladder last week, last Friday. 
and um, I had to return it on Tuesday. On Tuesday. And <clears throat> anyways, so well, let me clear my throat. Okay. So anyways, I do this like kind of thing of orientation. And the things that I noticed that I was putting off that I didn't want to admit to, uh, there was a lot of it. Uh, f- basically, that there's like it seems like there's only two guys really running it. And I think they have like maybe a couple more salespeople and that's it. Because they're basically... CNC Contractors and Pink Gorilla Roofing are all based out of Atlanta, and they're trying to expand to the southeast or whatever. And they work on residential homes. And what you do, you're a sale, door-to-door salesperson. You walk, you knock on the doors, you give your your spiel and your pitch, and you're basically coercing the person that owns the home for you to go on the roof to inspect it. Because once you're up there, you can find any kind of way to, to you find like you know what's considered hail damage, which is what you're looking for in wind damage. And when you find that, you take evidence of it, show it to the customer saying, hey, this is what we found. And you get upset about their insurance company and they have to sign an agreement to do that so they you can, they only do work through you. So I, so I was learning about all this stuff and <clears throat> my dad's boss, a man I've known for 20 years, was like, hey, I got these duplexes next door to, our, to the apartment community that we all live at and... Um, you know, do you want to go up there and take a look at the roof? And I was like, yeah, sure. So, like, I had an idea of what to look for, and so I took a bunch of photos. And I, I was like, okay, I, you know, it looks like I did find damage up there. So I was trying to set up a contract with, you know, um, this guy and my new job. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry. So, anyways, like... It was last Friday I was out, like, on the field or whatever, seeing, like, you know, going up there and inspecting a roof with uh, my supervisor or whatever. And um, so I got this, uh, a packet for this uh, this guy to, uh, for this guy to sign to, uh, to see if they, they can use their services to, to fix the roofs or whatever. And um, so anyways, I got to see, like, the, the roof crew work and do all that, and all that fun stuff. So then um, over the weekend I didn't hear anything back from my dad's boss. And so then Monday I was supposed to go in for more orientation and they're like, oh, we have all these adjustment meetings and stuff. We can't come in today. We can meet up tomorrow. And I was like, okay, sure. So I met up with uh, this guy. Uh, his name's, we'll just call him D. So I met up with D and I was like, hey, I got that contract you want to look at. Because I figured if anything was up with this company, he'd point out in an instant. And so we sat down and I told him, I gave him my speech spiel and all this other stuff. And he looks at the contract <clears throat> <clears throat> reads every word of it, sets it down, and goes, I'm going to tell you right now, I have no faith, good faith in signing this right as of right now, and I'm going to tell you why. And he starts nitpicking everything out of that contract that is totally, like, liable to that company. That homeowner sign that basically state that, like, they can't take them to court, and they don't have to follow any kind of warranty for good job or, or good craftsmanship. Because that's all, like, the good craftsmanship thing in the terms of the warranty that they don't have to honor anything because it's all written in legal jargon is, like, right there in that first paragraph that the customer's going to go, oh, okay, because they're not going to know unless they're a lawyer or whatever. And so he starts pointing all this stuff out to me, and then it's just, like, all the all the red flags and all the, the, the gears start clicking. I'm like, okay, yeah, I need to get away from these guys. So then I get a message from my supervisor, and he's just like, hey, man, come in tomorrow. And then I gave him a call, and I'm like, hey, you got a minute. So then we start um, talking, and I said, you know, hey, I had this, I had D look at the, uh, the, con- the, you know, the agreement or contract or whatever, and he's just like, he found a whole lot of BS in this, 
and he brought up a lot of stuff that is very troubling for me to find out. And I repeated to him, and of course, like the corporate uh, dog that, that my supervisor is, he's going to defend everything. He's going to be like, no, that's not what it means. This is actually an agreement. He says what the customer signed is an agreement before the adjustment, adjustment comes out there. So then like, then they get the real contract or something, which doesn't make any sense because what you hand to these customers is a legal binding contract. So it's a, it's, it's deceptive. It's sketchy, all that stuff. And then I was like, look, knowing what I know now, and especially after I researched their company, I was like, dude, I can't in good faith work for you guys anymore. And I got your letter in the back of my car. I'll drop it off at your office Tuesday. And that'll be that you don't have anything else that's that's company property from me. So I did that on Tuesday. And <clears throat> anyways, uh, I did that on Tuesday. And then the guy sends me a long like text message of like, you know, like basically kind of guilt tripping me to like, you know, you're making a terrible mistake. You know, like this is the best company ever. Of course, he would say that because he bragged about how much he made. He made like fifty-two thousand dollars in six months, off basically like sales and commission or whatever. Um, bragging about all this money he made, yada yada, and like you know, of course he's going to defend his company. I don't doubt. It. He's like, well, look at this screen cap of a a customer I talked to. Look how look how satisfied they are with their their service. Like you know, we're not sketchy at all or anything like that. And I was just like, you know, dude, no. Like you can tell me all this stuff, but like knowing what I know now, it doesn't. It stinks. And so that's the last of it. And then I think about all the stuff that they did. So, like, when I first got there, so the two guys that are running are basically redneck dude frat bros from colleges. It's like they just got out of college, and so, like, now they're salespeople, and they, like, have no discipline and no professionalism whatsoever. Like, I went in there for, like, a meeting, and so they're going over stuff and writing things on the board, like, regarding the speech. And they're playing, like, Atlanta rap music where it's, like, and, like you know, all the swearing and stuff. Like, it's totally unprofessional. And it basically, it's the supervisor and, like, my supposed supervisor over the sales team. And they're both, like, best friends. So then they start, like, cutting up and, like, talking. <laughs> and just, like, the stuff they said is, like, unprofessional to any other working environment. Like, nobody should act that way. Um, well, a roofing company, that's about as blue collar. Yeah, like exactly. I was like, oh, this is construction. Like, I kind of imagine this level of professionalism coming from them. But they shouldn't have done it anyways. But, like, they don't. They're just white trash. And the fun, the best thing was, I was riding with the guy that was like that was doing training with me, and he was just like, um, he asked me a question. He was just like, "Hey, man, you know, like, do you have like a, you know, like a girlfriend, or you married, or whatever?" I was like, "Nah, you know, not right now." He's like, "Oh man, good, awesome, because with me and Chandler, do we go hit up Lusty's, the gentleman's club in town, and we got like three blondes all over us, dude? This is fucking awesome, man. You gotta come join us sometime. You know, if that's like your thing, like, just throws it out there." <laughs> And I'm like, and the only thing I said was like, yeah, I know where that place is at. I never agreed to go. And he, he like, brags about how the company pays for them to go to, like, strip clubs and stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, I wouldn't put it past this being a construction company. Um, and it kind of, I guess it shows because they're based out of Atlanta. And, you know, and they start thinking, like, oh, if you make sales goals and stuff, like, you get to go to, like, you know, football games, tickets. Like, we have, like, a, you know, seating areas paid for and an unlimited beer, like, a liquor tab or whatever. And, like, we go to Vegas on trips and stuff. And I'm just, like, that – because I know what they're doing, like, at Vegas and stuff. And then they start, like, bragging. I'm like, you know, dude, I'm going to hook up with this hot chick. And, you know, like, at the football game, which is, I guess it's this weekend. I don't really care. Um, you know, all this, all this other stuff and – yeah, it was just kind of like, it was totally unprofessional from the get-go, and I should have left immediately. 
But what pieced things together for me was the fact that there was a company out of Atlanta that got shut down by the Better Business Bureau. They were called Gorilla Roofing and Construction LLC. They had so many complaints against them, complaints against them that they shut down. And it just so happens that there's another company that spawns out of this called Pink Gorilla Roofing that they are tied to this contracting company that actually has good standings regarding Google reviews online, and they're all based out of Atlanta. And you're like, huh, something's fishy with that. And I even told, like, my... I even told D about it, and he's just like, yeah, there's people that, like, they can retain the copyright light rights for the name, but, like, they'll, what they'll do is, like, if a business shuts down, they'll reopen another one using a familiar name. A lot of business people that do sketchy businesses do the exact same thing, and eventually it's going to catch up to them. And so, like, if you Google, if you Google Pink Gorilla Roofing, you're going to come up with a bunch of negative reviews on Gorilla Roofing. And I asked Chandler about it, and he's just like, nah, bro, those two ain't related. And I'm like, really? <laughs> you don't think? Because in terms of copyright, if they're, I think the name is like, if you have it, you can use the same name, but if they're two different, like, types of brands or companies, it's fine. But if they're within the same field of business, you, it's either you own both, or someone's going to be striking another person. Like, it's owned by the same guy. You know it is. Like, cause I know copyright, I know things about copyright law. That's usually how it works. So, and the thing is, it's like, you know, they tell us, like, CNC is a great website, and there's a web, CNC is, is insured and bonded and all that by the Better Business Bureau, but Pink Gorilla is not. Even though on the Better Business BBB website for CNC, if you click on their website link, it t- redirects you to Pink Gorilla Roofing, and this mother effer tells me that Pink Gorilla is not associated with CNC contractors, even though they have a giant Pink Gorilla logo printed on the freaking insurance packets and our clothing that we have to go door to door. And that's what I told Chan. I was like, "How can you tell me that I represent a co- contracting company and not this Gorilla company when we have the logo for the Gorilla on my shirt?" And he was like, "Boo!" And I was like, "No, we're done." <coughs> Yeah. yeah, so that's that's that has been my that's been my week. <laughs> but in terms so, of work now, I'm working with uh, D and doing marketing stuff for the corner community. So I'm actually staying pretty busy right now. So I'm. So you made the offer to me. I was like, well, heck yeah, I'll do. I'll better promote the apartment complex. So that's what I've been working on this week. So it's in the field that I went to school for. So I'm finally doing something with my degree after two years. So yeah. <laughs> What kind of a scam do you think they're doing? Like, it, it, once they're shielded from, can they like wreck the roof and then charge them to repair it or something like that? You think- I don't know, but like, it's kind of thinking. So, there's a laminate sheet that has, oh, we offer our, you know, we're trying to compete with our competitor because it's them to sell how good CNC contractors are, where. <clears throat> Where, like, you have this, like, laminated piece of paper that says that they have a 10-year warranty for no leaks. And, like, all competitors, you know, say that you have 2 to 5, but we're going to say that we have 10. And I'm thinking, okay, and I even told this Chandler this, too. I was just like, dude, you say that we have this 10-year warranty thing, even though in the contract agreement that we're handing these customers to sign to use our services, we're not bounded to any warranty. That contradicts each other. That is deceptive as crap. He's like, well, no, that's it's not. It's an agreement. It's not. It's the same as the contract. I'm like, yeah, it is. So, it's a lesson learned for sure. So, it's stuff like that, man. I just kind of want to hold on to their like stuff just to show like what not to do on a contract and like what to look for in terms of sketchy crap. <laughs> so, 
And, and I, my thing is like, I'll never work for a business that's ever been created in Atlanta. Even it's probably just maybe construction. I don't know. I think it's any yeah. business created in Atlanta. Well, I think Turner Broadcasting has higher standards. So like, I would like to still work for like TBS or Cartoon Network. Maybe one day, perhaps. Who knows? So. Yeah. Now, well, now I understand how illegal immigrants are able to take over the roofing industry. So, if this is the kind of competition you've got from Native Amer- Americans doing construction work. Well, it's all Latinos. It's yeah. Um, yeah, I, and apparently, like a lot of these, like what I understand is a lot of these like construction companies won't hold themselves to like a solid legal agreement regarding like the work they promise. They make all these promises, but they're not. They're going to weasel their way out of not legally being bound to that. But it's like if you make all these promises, you have to like we'll put it on. A, you need to put it on a legal document and own up to it. So, <laughs> I think uh, D. What D was telling me was the fact that. Um, <clears throat> when he was doing work on the apartment community, like all these people came up like, yeah, we promised to do this and this. And then like, D's like, okay, well I want to see that in writing on a contract and I want you to sign to agree to it. And half of them walked back away from the table. Like, Oh, I ain't signing that. It's like, but you said you can promise to do this. So then that kind of shows they're like credibility. So it's just, kind yeah. of, it's just kind of watching for people. It's a good lesson for me for sure. Like, and the thing was, it was like, I don't really like, I don't hate, and I'm not bitter against like this, you know, pink gorilla roofing or CNC or whatever. It's just kind of like, you know, I get it. I, I did it, but I was just like, I wasn't like spiteful against them when I did it. And so I felt like kind of really bad about doing it, but I'm like, I knew it was the most logical moral thing to do. And it was the right thing to do to just back away. And so yeah. that's just a lesson for me to go through. And it's important to do that. So, I, I so yeah, so I'm, I'm, it's, I'm once again, it's like, but right now it's just kind of like, I'm going to figure out a way to like, start my own business or do something so then I'd like, I'm because I'm sick and tired of just being joked around like this. I've been trying to get a decent job since I've been out of college for almost two years. And are you still doing uh, the, the uh, substitute teaching? I'm going to have to, I might get back. I'm probably gonna have to get back into that. Yeah. I mean, I can, I mean, they'll take me back for sure. So I'm not worried about like not getting work. So, um, yeah, it's a matter of just, and then doing that and then doing some marketing stuff. So, like, I basically work in two jobs. Um, and the other thing I'm going on is I got work and stuff to do for um, – I still got some panel work to do for Anime Week in Atlanta. I'm trying to get that set up. Um, you were talking about that music video you made? Yeah, I did a uh, – I finally made a convention music video the first time in, like, nine years for a con. Because I kind of self-retired after 2010 after I did a Bubblegum Crisis one for Animazement. And I, and I just kind of sort of got out of that. And then, you know, here I am. Like, I've spent, after going to the AMV room last year in AWA, I was like, holy crap, is this the best these people can show? I can make something totally better than this. So that's kind of been my driving force for, like, the year for working on this. Um, I combined Cowboy Bebop, the TV series, with uh, NWA straight out of Compton. And I, when I was playing with it, I was like, holy crap, this is actually something. This could actually work pretty well. I think people are going to like it. So I've been kind of slowly working on it bit by bit, and I kind of, like, got everything together in the past couple months and then I sent it off to AWA so that they have it. Um, so yeah, I'm just kind of waiting to hear back regarding if, uh, it should get approved for sure. Um, I would have to, I had to enter it in for the, uh, F bombs for charity because there's a lot of language in it because it's rap and I'm not going to censor it because that, that would be dumb. So I don't know what time it's going to air. I don't, you know, so I'm just kind of waiting to hear back on that, but they have it cause I had until the 22nd of September 
So um, it's it's there. It's with them. And then I'm trying to get everything together for a history of anime on Cartoon Network panel that I'm doing. And I think that I, I'm trying to get everything together and figure out how to present it. And I've got about a month and a half to get that together. So that's going to be my focus for a while. Um, so that's what's up in, with me. So my exciting life <laughs> as a podcaster whenever this episode comes out. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what's up with me. Unless you got anything, unless you got something to add. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to read a a tweet from president Trump. here. Uh, thank you to Wayne Allen roots for the very nice words. President Trump is the greatest president for Jews and for Israel (laughs) in the history of the world, not just America. He is the best president for Israel in the president in the history of the world, and the Jewish people in Israel love him like he's the king of Israel. They love him like he's the second coming of God. But American Jews don't know him or like him. They don't even know what they're doing or saying anymore. It makes no sense, but that's okay. If he keeps doing what he's doing for all Jews, blacks, gays, and importantly, he's good for everyone in America who. Wants Wow. <laughs> what did you think of these Trump tweets about King of the Jews? He's quoting like a Jewish supporter. But a lot of people were like commenting on the fact that he was quoting somebody who was calling him like the second comment. And all these. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because there are people who believe that we're, uh, you know, entering into the end times. But uh, Israel being well, reestablished we, as a part uh, of a proxy. According to thing, pe- I, I've heard. Think. Okay, look, I, I've grown up in church my whole life, so it's always been about the end times. It was especially mm-hmm. pre- prevalent regarding the Y2K in the year 2000, because even I, <laughs> that's kind of how I like I got really scared by then. Um, so they were preaching about Y2K in your church? Well, it was definitely like a, a topic you couldn't avoid. But my thing was, that like, you know, I've had a pastor say, like, oh, we've been in the end times since Jesus, you know, went back to heaven or whatever, because that's when everything kind of started happening, and... So it's just a matter of waiting. But, like, in terms of, like, technology advancing in the past 100... Like, everything's been advancing, like, incredibly fast for the past 100 years. Just yeah. what's been advanced in the past 100 years from horse and buggy and steam engines and stuff. And yeah. really 200 if you look at it that way. So, yeah, the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, so it's a matter, it's a matter of how much we're going to evolve before, like, biblical prophecy actually happens. Um well, one thing that I've heard is that people at the time that Jesus died thought that he was going to come back within their lifetime and save them. And that this was why they were committed to to his religion, because they thought they were going to be saved from death in in this lifetime. Uh, I, but I don't know if that's true or not, whether people actually thought that at the time. It, it, it's definitely written regarding, you know, man does not know, only God knows the hour and date of when the rapture happens and when everything sets up. Not even Jesus knows. Uh, and man's not supposed to know either, but man can make all these guesses and sell millions of dollars in books every year about like tw- 2020 reasons why G- the rapture is going to happen this year. And that's just a freak. It's just a joke. Like the, that and old camping guy that did that stuff. Yeah, he's been doing it what days. forty, fifty years at this point. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's just there to sell books. Like Christianity's become a marketing ploy. It's, it's disgusting. 
It's like, if you read the Bible, you're not supposed to know, so don't even freaking worry about it. If it happens, it happens, and if, it, if you live to see tomorrow, fine. You know, whatever. So, it's just kind of like, you know, it is what it is, man. It's, it's freaking God's timing. I'm, I'm not going to question that. I'm in, you know, whatever, the reason I'm on Earth for right now, however long I got this gig set up on, on this lifetime on here, I'm going to enjoy while I got it. Praise God. All that good stuff, man. So, that's what's up. Um, yeah, so, like, it's just, because if you, uh, there's no point in pondering and worrying about it all the time. It's like, dude, you, like, God's got you on this earth for an assignment and a reason and a purpose, and you knew, you know, you knew your creation and your being before you even were made, you know, stuff like that. Um, so there's, just, you know, like, like there's like a prophecies on in there, right, involving, like, the, uh, that the, the Jews will retake the, the Holy Land and this sort of thing, like, in the book of Revelations, is that, isn't that the case? Yeah, the, the, there's some of what's going on now was was predicted back then with the with yeah. the Jews returning. Well, you got that, you got this. I like to call him a lardass um, preacher, John Hagee out of San San Hambonio. Um, <laughs> I, I've seen the guy I, like when I worked at that Christian TV station a year ago. Like they had him on Sundays, and so like I was just kind of like just interested in what he had to say. So like his thing was going through like, you know, like his his understanding of like. David's dream, uh, you know, David's dream and from the Old Testament regarding the prophecy and all this other stuff. And it's just a matter of like him. He's the one that's like chartering, like selling these books on all this stuff. And like, you know, these Christian, like these Christian, like televangelists and stuff are really pushing like Trump's like this big push and the leader we need for the Christian movement. And it's just like, really? And it's just, it's a joke. But like, you know, I think it was something about like, you know, the, the people, the but. And, you know, he talks like, the Bible talks about these four kingdoms, and we're the Western one, and it's not, talks like Alex Jones, but I'm, anyways, but like, he goes into like all his detail on that, and it's just kind of like, I don't know when the those four videos kingdoms? Are... Four kingdoms so was like, they? it's the Western Empire, I, I don't, I don't know, man, it's just, I saw it, because so... I, I would watch all the stuff like in the control room, and mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like, alright man, I, just sh- show me what you're selling, man. So there was like the fact that like you know, the you know regarding the Middle East, you got uh, China, uh, Europe is another is a is a power, and then you got like America is one. So those are like the four main ones that I guess like and Russia, I guess is the fourth, right? I guess Ru- China, Russia, Europe, yeah, it's, something like that. I don't know, but like if the Middle East is part of that because everything is going to happen in, in Megiddo, Armageddon, all in the Middle East. Um, so it's all going to center around Israel because it's kind of like there's a reason why. Like, Israel got their nation back after, like, you know, two or three thousand years later, after the Assyrians, like, basically jacked them from them. But that was kind of their own misdoing, but that was kind of all in God's plan. So, yeah, it's interesting when you when you look at the history of all that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot there. But, like, in terms of, like, you know, and if you want to, like, regarding what you, people want to know about what the Bible says about Revelation and the end times, it's all... I think it's like if you read past like chapter fifteen or sixteen in Revelation, it goes into all that. Um, but you know, it's just, but it was all based on a dream that I think Paul. Oh, shoot, I think it was Paul that had the dream about it or a vision on it, so he wrote it down. But then there's always these instances. But the thing is, we don't know when all this stuff is going to happen, and you know, it could be hundred. I mean, like empire. I mean, America could collapse as a country, and it may not happen. So. You know, it's just, it's interesting, because, like, you don't, we don't know. Only God knows. So, it's, it's whatever. 
Yeah. I ain't so going to worry about that, it. One thing the Democrats often do is they mock people like Jerry Falwell Jr. or whatever uh, for supporting Donald Trump. And they say, like, oh, look at these crude things that Donald Trump does, like call Stormy Daniels horse face and this sort of thing. Like, this is not very Christian, and how can you support this? Uh, and then, basically, it all comes back to these biblical prophecies, uh, which they think Trump is fulfilling by, like, acknowledging that Israel can go on heights. And yeah. just from, like, a secular geopolitical perspective, I don't object to him acknowledging this, because they have objectively controlled the Golan Heights for over 50 years. So, so it, it is essentially Israeli territory, so I don't just personally, as just, like, a foreign policy realist, I don't object to doing this, but I also don't know if this means anything. Like, is this going to actually change anything and bring about the end times? I think... Or is he just acknowledging something that's been the case for half a century? Yeah, I mean, I think everything's going to lead to something is the way I look at it, but it's not instant. It's very... You know, it goes at its own pace. So, like, when something happens and people freak out, like, you know, like 2012, when everyone thought the world was going to end in 2012 because the Mayans predicted it, and it's 2019 and we're still standing... On this mother-effing right. planet, um, you know, it's like people just freak out over like stuff like that because it's like it's the unknown they don't know about. And Nostradamus, that's another one that people like to bring up. It's like, oh, he predicted this and that. And that. Nostradamus, yeah, I, that, I don't, I, I don't put thought in that stuff. Like, man, I got my own crap to worry about. Mine, I got my own life. Yeah. So, but it is interesting though because, like. There will be things like Judea and Samaria. I remember hearing this a lot during the debates. Like Marco Rubio would refer to uh, like the West Bank as, or certain parts of Israel, he would refer to as as these these terms. And I don't know if there's some sort of prophecy that Israel will, I don't know, annex these other parts, and then that will be like the completion of a prophecy. Because I know Hagee, he he did support people like McCain because he thought McCain was going to bring about the end times by starting a war with Iran uh, over, you know, the whole Israel situation, because Israel was being threatened by Iran at the time. They had this president called Ahmadinejad that was saying stuff like, Israel is going to vanish from the map and this sort of thing, <laughs> and that it's going to fade in, into history, and that, you know, Iran was chaining death to America and all these kinds of things, and so Hagee thought, like McCain, he's this loose cannon. He's always supporting wars. He's going to get us into uh, into like the the end times. He's going to like jumpstart this prophecy uh, because it seems like this is not going to happen on its own. If if the world is going to end, it's going to end because of nuclear weapons or something like this, and then our souls will all be saved or something to this effect. But. Uh, I, and then McCain was like actively courting this guy's endorsement and then at some point uh, somebody like dug up comments that Hagee made about like you know the Jews will not be saved because they don't believe in Christ best. And, and then McCain had to like denounce him and say like oh well, I don't agree with this anti-Semitism but if you're a Christian isn't that intrinsic to your religion I mean they went after Bush for the same thing because they, they were like Bush your denomination says that the Jews won't go to heaven but uh, like, if you're a Christian, don't you believe that you have to believe in Christ to go to heaven? So, I, I mean, a lot of this stuff—it's it, like you run up against political correctness if you're if you're actually believing in what the Bible says in 2019. And so, people have to try to square this circle. And I'm not sure if it's even really possible to mm -hmm. to to be a Christian and not be 
you know, condemned for some sort of violation of modern PC ethics, you know? Yeah, I, man, I was trying to find... It's interesting how Hagee would say something like that, even though the Bible calls in Psalms, and I'm, I'm trying to find the right Bible verse. Hold on, actually, I can probably just Google it, because I had a screenshot of it. Uh, let's see. Psalms verse about strife. Oh my gosh. I think it's... Uh, okay. So, it's it's interesting, like, people want to call for war and all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, did you guys know about Proverbs 23, where it says, avoid strife being, avoiding strife brings a man honor, but every fool is quarrelsome. (laughs) So, it's like, you got, like, you know, like, we're not supposed to be the ones that, like, push, like, God's agenda or whatever, like, it's gonna happen on his own terms. So then, like, you know, don't freaking start crap that you're not supposed to be in charge of. And, like, it's just, a, like, I'm like I'm seeing all the, like, I've been, like, I'm finally kind of, like, been seeing the hypocr- hypocrisy of, like, mainstream Christianity for a while now. And it's just, like, it's hard for me to back really anybody that's, like, mainstream. There's a few people, like, I do, su- like, I would support and I do talk highly about. But the rest of them, they're just in televangelists. It's like they have their own agendas just to sell a book to dupe Christians into fear, even though it's funny because the Bible says fear not. <sighs> it's just nonsense. And so that's kind of like, I can see why people don't want to be a Christian or be like part of the, the you know Christian community because it's like, how are you guys any different from us? You know, you guys have like your own like agenda, which I think is even more harmful than like what we're doing. And it's just like, yeah. <laughs> so, like, again, it's just like, I worry about me, man, you know, Worry about what I, like God has in my life, so that's just kind of that's just kind of what's up. So I do me, but um, yeah, I I just yeah, in terms of like political stuff, it's just like nah, it's like just don't even worry about it. That's kind of all I gotta say. Okay, so I guess we covered a lot of stuff on closing remarks. Yeah, and, we've been at so... this for almost two hours. Oh my gosh. Alright, that's a good link for an episode, so... That is, that, yeah, that. that's a very good link for an episode. Like, I feel like we talked about 20 different things regarding Jim Carrey movies. <laughs> and right. sporadically covering JoJo's Part 4 in, like, no nonsense sequential order. It was kind of just a totally off-the-cuff podcast. And then we spend more than half the time on, like, three or four topics for closing remarks because that is how we roll. Yeah. Uh, so next episode will come out with something. Can't tell you what it is because that's the suspense and the surprise. But please stay tuned and appreciate the listener for sticking around this long and hearing us jerb about our jerbs on and other internet drama stuff. So I've got to get up early tomorrow because I'm hanging out with my brother. So I will let you go. So everyone, take care. Have a have a good time. Have a nice life until the next episode. So, later. Any 
Anytime I need to see a face, it just close my eyes And I am taken to a place where your crystal mind And magenta feeling They take a chapter in the face of my spine Straight like a chicken cherry cola I don't need to try to explain I just hold on tight And if it happens again, I'ma move so slightly To the arms and the lips and the face Of the human cannibal that I need to, I want to Come stand a little bit closer Breathe in and get a bit higher You'll never know what hit 